Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings, superstars. How are you doing? How is your spring coming along? I Hopefully there are signs of new life wherever you live, even in the coldest climes. I, um, I, guess, I mean, I live in Florida, so what do I have to talk about? But <laughs> when I lived in Northeast Missouri, the sign of the tulips and I don't know whatever the other early flowers were, but the tulips in particular just excited me any sign of like buds on the trees so I hope that wherever you are you're seeing some of those kinds of signs of life Um, as a reminder I do a webinar for free every Thursday at four o'clock if you want to see what's coming up you can check the schedule at mastercoachwebinars.carrd.co that's mastercoachwebinars.carrd.co and uh, sign up for something that sounds interesting to you. So today I have a return guest, uh, just a, a wonderful human being that I've enjoyed getting to know, Mac Pritchard, who runs Max List. He's going to talk to you about what that is and what he's got going on over on the, the left coast, I guess, Mac. <laughs> And, uh, and just, uh, we're going to have a chat today about networking secrets, which are so important. And, uh, and I certainly have a lot of, of thoughts and, um, and teachings about networking. So Mac, thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Lisa. Why don't you start by giving us the scoop about you and Max list and what you've got going on over there on the, on the uh, West coast. I'm in Portland, Oregon, and I run a regional career hub and job board, maxlist.org. If you go there, you'll find a job board with positions in Oregon and Washington, but we also produce a lot of great content for job seekers that help our readers get good at job search as a skill. And the reason we do that, Lisa, and I know you know this and, and teach this all the time, is you can't rely on job boards alone to find a great job and have a great career. You've got to get good at job searches as a skill. Most people struggle with that. So we help them improve their job hunt skills by uh, providing free articles, guides, online courses, and a weekly podcast. We also serve our employers here in the Pacific Northwest by giving them lots of good free content about how to get better at hiring. Many of our customers are are small employers and the people who are put in charge of filling a position, often that's not their first job. They were hired Mm -hmm. to do something else. So they haven't been trained in how to write a job post. They haven't been uh, formally trained in how to manage a hiring process. And our mission at MaxList is to make hiring more human. And, And we do that again through our content, our job listings and events in the community. 
What I love about that, Mac, is that, you know, I, I talk to so many candidates who assume when they have a quote unquote weird interview that they did something wrong. And the truth of the matter is, as you said, a lot of times the, the interviewer does not know, has not been trained on how to interview. I was talking to one of my clients yesterday and she said she had the strangest second interview with a company, the woman who was in human resources asked her about, said, tell me about yourself. And then proceeded the rest of the interview she talked about the company she didn't ask the candidate one more question and she felt like she couldn't even get a word in ed edgewise so clearly that was an individual who needed your services and i think if people reflect on it it's not unlike what happens when someone is in a company and they're good at a technical skill and then they're promoted to the position of manager and they haven't been trained in how to manage people how to lead teams and those are skills. And if you haven't had formal instruction in, in them, you're going to struggle. The same thing happens with hiring. You're a program manager and you're told to fill a position and put together a posting. And if you've never done that before or haven't had someone coaching how to do it, chances are you might not do it uh, very well. I believe that's called the Peter principle, isn't it? Where we rise to our highest level of incompetence. Isn't that the concept that I'm, that we're talking about here? <laughs> it is. And the good news is if you recognize that you have to learn a new skill, it doesn't have to result in incompetence. You, you just have to focus on the gap and what you, the steps you need to take to fill it, whether it's working on your job search skills or your hiring skills. Exactly. All right. So we're talking about networking secrets for job seekers. So I'm wondering, what do you see within that kind of realm of networking is the most under, misunderstood concept that job seekers have? That it has to be an icky experience. <laughs> I mean, do you hear that a lot, Lisa? You well, talk to job seekers all the time. They either think, yeah, they think it's going to be creepy and that they're stalkery or that the other person will feel put out and bothered by them, you know, or that they just don't know how to do it. Right. So I'm just like not even going to try. What, those three points you just made are, uh, I, I think, so important because it doesn't have to be icky. Uh, people do want to help you. And if you're not sure how to do it, you can fix that. And I, and I know we're going to talk about that, but let's talk about ickiness for a moment. <laughs> Here's the popular image I think that comes to mind when many people hear networking. In pre-pandemic times, it would have been going out to the airport holiday and to a function room. And there's some person uh, who's going around the room, collecting as many business cards as possible. And it just feels kind of icky. And that's not good networking. But again, because uh, often people just haven't worked on their networking skills, they don't know how to do it well. And, and they think that that's how it's done. Exactly. So they've had bad examples of it. Or I also see people who, you know, they really don't know what they're doing. They get out and they try a couple of times, don't get the response that they thought they would get. And they decide to make that mean that they networking isn't going to work or I'm no good at it and don't can't ever do it right. So understanding that it is a skill set that you can develop just like any other skill set. You don't have to be born with this ability. I don't know of anybody who truly was, you know, right out of the womb was like, hey, tell me about your job. <laughs> right? well, I think people who are, are natural networkers are good at relationships, but you start from a place, you might have a 
some talent, but you, you still have to work at it. You can't uh, rely on your talent alone. So we don't want to be icky. Is that the message I'm hearing here? We want to avoid ickiness, right? We want to avoid ickiness and we want to recognize that what it's really about is relationships and mm-hmm. it's about connections with others. And we're all good at that. Uh, we all have relationships in our lives. Uh, and the, what we're talking about here are professional relationships and, and how do you maintain them and grow them and, and not only um, ask for help, but how do you serve others? And exactly. I, I know we're going to talk about those things in a moment. Yeah, I call it uh, not being a barnacle in the, in the networking process, right? So not just thinking in terms of what can I get and, you know, how can I suck the life of another human being? Because that doesn't feel good to anybody unless you're maybe a, I don't know, a sociopath. Um, but for most of us, the thought that we are sucking something out of someone else with no exchange of energy feels terrible. So that's, I think that's a great uh way to start this conversation. So I get a lot of pushback from clients who kind of, you know, again, think that they're not good at networking. So I'm curious as far as how you instruct those people and how you get them from a place of believing that this is something they're, they can't do. They're just not able to do it to being successful with it. Well, I think it begins by understanding why relationships are so important in hiring. And you have to remember that when a hiring manager is looking at a stack of applications, the person in that stack who's got some connection to the company, to the team or the manager is gonna have an advantage over those who don't. And that's what's going on here, Lisa. Mm -hmm. And I know you know this very well, is that people hire people they know, like, and trust, or they, turn to recommendations from people they trust. And the reason this happens, it's not some conspiracy, it's managers are trying to manage risk and they're trying to reduce risk because when hiring doesn't go right, it's not good for the employer and it's not good for the candidate. And it often takes three, sometimes six months to figure that out. Uh, and that's, that's expensive, it's time consuming, and then you have to start all over again. So often when I share that principle with job seekers, they say, gosh, I'm doomed. I don't know anyone at this company. Um, and how am I going to uh, make that? Uh, I, if I don't have a connection, how am I going to get in the door? Well, the good news is that if you know where you want to go and what you want to do, you can focus on building relationships with people inside that organization in a professional way that's going to give you an advantage over the people the applicants rather, who haven't made those kinds of connections. And I know we're going to talk about how to do that. Absolutely. One of the things that I teach my clients is what I call the plus one approach. So if you're going to apply to a job online where 400 applicants are are not at all uncommon today, what can you do? How can you activate your network in a way that will bring you up not necessarily to the very top of the pile, that really depends on your qualifications. But if we can get up to the top third of the pile, now we have a much better chance. And just the fact that someone has put in a good word for us will mean that and likely the the person reviewing my resume will look at it for maybe twice as long, maybe 20 seconds instead of 10 seconds. And that may not sound like that big of a deal, but it is. And I I would encourage your listeners to reflect for a moment about the jobs that they've had that they really enjoyed. And 
I, the odds are good that it probably resulted from a referral. Someone said, oh, you should go talk to this lady or let me send your resume on to this fellow. Uh, and those connections, and they often come from very weak ties, just can make a huge difference. And I think everybody who's been in the workplace for a while has a job or two like that, that came about through those connections. And what networking does, people who do it thoughtfully and strategically, it doesn't wait for those ties to happen by chance. You do it in a thoughtful, strategic way. Exactly. And I think conversely, if you if you listeners think about a job that you've had that wasn't a good fit, and you can probably look back at the process that you went through, maybe you didn't really look at the company, you were in a place of fear, thinking I've got to get a job quickly, you didn't, you ignored maybe some red flags that came up during the entire process. And you, you just like the company likes to hire a known entity that they know, like, and trust, it is in your best interest to go to work for a company that you feel a great deal of know, like, and trust for. And it's not just some random company shot in the dark, hope this works out. Have you found that to be true? I, I have, because in the end, what networking is, it's a, a kind of research project where you're talking to people about a goal that you set for yourself, a job search goal. And by doing so, you're identifying opportunities that are going to be interesting. You're, you're, uh, you're getting insights into employers who are doing uh, cool things. You're finding out what jobs uh, that interest you pay, what managers are looking for in those positions, what their expectations are. And as you collect that information about employers, about positions, about salary, you're going to make a much more informed choice rather than just replying to an ad. Exactly. So why don't you uh, lay your top five networking secrets on us, Mac? Number one, Lisa, it's about relationships. It's not about collecting business cards. And, and we've talked about this, uh, but I, I just want to underscore this point because I think when job seekers start networking, they're not sure why they're doing this. And um, and that often can lead to uh, frustration, not sure why, who they should approach to and what they should ask for. And good networkers, they're not, it's, again, it's not about collecting business cards. It's about building long-term relationships with the people in your professional network and finding ways to serve them because uh, the, the referrals that you get and the referrals that you make are those are just powerful building blocks in any career and any job search. And I think if you think of these networks and, and your ability to grow your network when you're perfectly happy with the job that you're in, you're, you're coming at it from a place of service to the other person, not, you know, I'm not looking for a job right now. Let me see how I can help other people. What I find happens is that my clients don't ever have to go into job search mode. They never come out of it, right? They're always doing the things to promote themselves, to further their career, and those opportunities come to them. Exactly. And again, good relationships are reciprocal. If you had a friend or a neighbor or a colleague who just took, took, and took, obviously you're not going to continue that relationship and uh, you 
you, uh, you have to give without any expectation of giving in return. So that's number one. What's number two? Know what you want and ask for it. So mm-hmm. here are two phrases, uh, and I say this respectfully because I used them earlier in my career, um, that you need to stop using. One is, can I pick your brain? <laughs> and second is, can we get together for coffee? Now, here's the problem with those phrases, and I know they're well-intentioned, so um, I'm not mocking anyone who's been using them because, again, I've used them myself. When somebody hears that, they don't know how to respond. They, people do want to help you. Uh, in my experience, and I talk to job seekers all the time, I've been through many job searches myself before starting my own company. Um, people do want to help you, but you got to make it easy for them to say yes. And so you want to be specific about what you want and why you want to meet them. It's like any business meeting. Um, you're calling it and you've got, you're in charge. So you got to have an agenda. Would it, would it be helpful, Lisa, if I took you through an example of how to make a specific request? Exactly. Please do. Okay. So you're getting ready to send that email. And instead of putting in the subject line, uh, can we get together for coffee? Uh, and writing, I'd, you know, I'd like to meet with you and uh, pick your brain about my job search. Um, when somebody gets that message, again, they want to help you, but they're not sure what you how they can be helpful. So you want to be as specific as you can. And here's an example of how you might do that. Uh, again, referrals are, are powerful. So if somebody has suggested uh, that you reach out to this person like, like yourself, put that in the subject line, writing to you at the suggestion of Lisa Edwards, and then uh, send a simple message. It says, um, hi, Mary, I'm writing at the suggestion of Lisa Edwards. I'm doing a job search. Uh, uh, my goal is to find a marketing position with a mid-sized nonprofit in the Portland market. Uh, Lisa thought you might be a good source of information about uh, organizations that are growing, uh, people I could talk to and could give me some insights into that uh, in, into that field. Would you have 15 to 20 minutes to talk at your convenience about, uh, about my search and these questions? Uh, click here to find a time on my schedule that's convenient for you. You can also spend, send uh, specific times that's more helpful. Attaches my resume to give you a sense of my background. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. That's now, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And here's, uh, I again, I think it's when you get a message like that, it's clear why that person wants to meet with you, what uh, they hope to get from the conversation, and what's involved. And it's it's easy to say yes, isn't it, Lisa? It's easier to say yes that way, because if it's just you and I don't know you and you're reaching out to me, I may not make that a priority, but let's just say that I'm reading that and I really respect Lisa's opinion and I value Lisa as a colleague, then I'm going to really step up to the plate because I don't want to disappoint Lisa. And if I, if Lisa has a great reputation, I'm talking about myself like I'm not me. If Lisa has a great reputation that I'm going to trust that anyone she sends my way, it's going to be worth my time to have that conversation. I, I think for people who are, are wondering, well, gosh, I don't know someone uh, or who can is connected to this person I want to meet. Then your job becomes to find those connections. And LinkedIn makes it so easy mm-hmm. to do that. So if you uh, don't have a connection to that person directly, uh, look in your network and see 
who could either make an introduction or ask that person if you can use their name to, to make that introduction. Absolutely. And I've told the story on the podcast before of a client who reached out to me and said, do you know so-and-so who you're connected to on LinkedIn? I'm interested in working at her company. And I did not know her. She was somebody that I was connected to, but didn't have a personal relationship with, but I was more than willing to reach out. I really valued this client, thought highly of him and reached out to her. And he ended up getting the job with that company. And I, and how did you feel making that introduction and, and doing that service for that person? Thrilled to do it, right? It was no bother at all. Nothing. It was, it was, I was glad to do it. Yeah. I, I have many LinkedIn connections because of the work I do in the career space. And I always welcome it when somebody approaches me and they say, uh, I really want to talk to so-and-so at this organization. I see you're connected on LinkedIn. Could I use your name or would you be willing to make an introduction? That's an easy request for me to act on. And it, it makes me feel good because I'm helping this person. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to make the introduction because Anybody who's that well-organized, I know is going to be uh, a valuable connection for the person they want to meet. Exactly. So, all right, we've got one and two. What's number three? We touched on this, but it's give without expectation of getting anything in return. Um, and you really do need to make this a lifelong habit in your career because good networkers aren't transactional. They don't keep score, Lisa, and they don't hoard their contacts. It's not a tit for tat. Uh, kind of relationship. You got to make time to help others. And common ways of doing that are, are volunteering for your professional organization. Maybe you sign up for committees, serve on a board. Um, maybe you're involved in other community or organizations outside your field. Being of service to others, that's going to bring you so many dividends, uh, unexpected dividends in, in the future. You also, and you touched on this earlier, you need to set aside time in your work schedule to do informational interviews, to take calls. Don't, you can't let people take over your, your calendar. You need to manage your time. But again, make that a habit. And the people you meet today who are coming up, uh, you'd be, you'll be amazed where they'll end up and they may be of service to you one day. Uh, and if you do these things, you, you really will, and do it without any expectation of getting anything in return, you'll, you'll be amazed at what comes back to you. It's really that long view of networking. I, I cringed one time I was talking to a, a prior client. I was doing a little survey and he was an IT guy. And I reached out to him and he talked about how, you know, I, I got on LinkedIn when I was looking for my job and I, I was doing some networking. But now that I got the job, now I don't have to do that anymore. And I'm really, you know, I put it back on the shelf, so to speak. And I, I kind of cringed um, at that comment. And I thought that really tells me something. And I think a lot of people have that mindset, but it's this, it's this, the opposite is, okay, I'm happy employed. I'm happily employed. I'm not looking for a job, but I have, I have help that I can provide. I have wisdom. I have resources, best practices, whatever it is. Let me give freely of that. That's going to come back to me in spades when I need it to. That, that crop is going to be uh, fruitful and bountiful when I need to take advantage of it. In addition to the professional benefits, there's the, the benefits that come from being of service to your community, to other people. And it just, it's good for our health. It's good for our well-being, and uh, uh, just outside of how it helps your career. Fantastic. What's number four? 
recognize that you're an expert too, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Often uh, people come into these networking or informational interviews and they, they, are, they, they think they're at a disadvantage that uh, the person they're meeting is too busy or too important or is doing them a big favor. And, they, and, and someone who takes a meeting is you know, performing a service and I recognize that. But recognize too that uh, when you're a job seeker, you have so much to offer. You've got your own network, your own resources, your own insights. And you have an opportunity when you're meeting with others to ask how you can be of service to them. And I think it's always a good idea to say at the end of a meeting, you know, how can I be helpful to you? Is there something I can do to, to be of service to you? Because that helps you strengthen your network. It's good to help others. And it also levels the playing field between the two people in the room. Exactly. And I hope I'm not jumping on, on your, your fifth tip to say that what is so important in these networking meetings is that if you say to that other person, let me introduce you to so-and-so, or let me get you that information about that vendor. You absolutely must be a person of your word and get that to them very promptly. That's your professional reputation on the line. And you really want to follow through with anything that you say you'll do. Yeah, I think that's a excellent habit, whether it's in the workplace or during a job <laughs> search. Kind of life. Yeah, yeah, do what you say you're going to do. And when you do, you will stand out because uh, it saddens me to say this, there's a, some people don't follow through. And when they do that, they're putting themselves at a great disadvantage. But if you do what you say you're gonna do, you will stand out. And that's something job seekers tell me all the time. What can I do to stand out? Uh, well, do what you say you're gonna do. Exactly, it's such a reflection of how you will perform the job, whatever job it is. All right, give us your fifth one. Networking is a lifelong habit. It's not something you do between jobs. And you touched on this. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly have met people who say, well, now that I'm at this employer, I'll never have to look for another job again. And the odds are you may. So d- don't assume that uh, you have lifetime employment and don't assume that uh, you can wait until your job is coming to an end to build relationships and network with others. You, you got, you just, again, have to make it a, a lifelong habit and your career will benefit as a result. My analogy is always that Noah was out there in the sunshine building the ark and everybody thought he was nuts, but it turned out that he was the smart one in the bunch. So you build this network when you don't need it, or if you do need it, you build it the first time and then you don't let it go fallow while you have this job. And, you know, as you pointed out, even if you love the job and the job is not in danger, you keep that network open because something better might come along, something that's a better fit for you today. And you, I've I've said often that when you are, I call it ARFO, always ready for opportunity, you've got that updated resume, you've got that updated LinkedIn, you've kept your network going, you've kept your skill set current, not only are you more marketable to potential employers and to recruiters, but I think that energetically you sort of open a door. It's kind of woo-woo, but I think it's true. You kind of open this door and those people start looking for you because you've got, you're open to receiving and having those conversations with them. You do. And you also recognize that in a career today, you will likely change not only 
employers, but the fields you work in five, six, seven times. So no matter where you are in your career, whether you're just a few years in or mid-career, you you will change. And uh, somebody who recognizes that and understands it and invests the time in maintaining relationships in their field is going to have a, a much less frustrating and, and much less painful and ultimately more productive uh, job search the next time they are looking. So true. So true. So give us those five top secrets again, if you will. Absolutely. Networking is about relationships. So uh, yes, collect business cards when we're able to do that again, but focus <laughs> on people because again, referrals are so important in uh, job search. And uh, when you are recommended by people who uh, are known, liked, and trust by hiring managers, going to have a big step up over your competitors. Second, know what you want and ask for it. When you are clear about your ask, you make it so much easier for people to say yes to you. Um, the third, uh, give without expectation of getting anything in return. If you take that approach, you'll get so many more dividends uh, in the long run than you would if you are treating uh, your relationships as transactional and keeping score. Number four, recognize that you're an expert too. Lisa, you've got so much to offer and, and uh, that's going to bring you some energy and it's going to help you grow your network and your improve your career. And, and again, make networking a lifelong habit, not something you do uh, when you're getting ready to, to start your job search. One of the most valuable things that anyone has ever said to me, this is going back decades ago, it said relative to networking and job searches, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. So getting to have those relationships so that you're top of mind with those other people, which is really that relationship, not just, you know, they're not going to know you and you're not going to be top of mind if all you're doing is grabbing business cards and moving on to the next person. So really keep that in mind. I want other people to get to know me and think of me and kind of coming at it from, not from a self-serving angle, but just from an understanding that they can't know me unless we build a relationship together. If it's just transactional, I'm probably not going to be top of mind for them when something comes along. Yeah, absolutely. People hire people, not resumes <laughs> or business cards. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what, I mean, I've had a few folks who've had, you know, my, I, I, I have to say I do a pretty impressive resume, um, but they've never gotten a job directly from the resume They're, They get an interview from the resume. And I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever gotten a job from their business card. At least I, Hope not. <laughs> I, I hope, hope not too. I kind of and, hope not. <laughs> and resumes matter. Believe me, uh, they will. You need a good one to get into that final round of three to five candidates. But if you also, in addition to having a great resume, if you've also got a referral or a connection or past experience with a hiring manager, that gives you a huge edge over your competitors. Exactly. And, and, you know, honestly, that's why I've changed my kind of approach with clients. I used to kind of um, allow them, if you will, to just get resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile. And it just, it bothered me to my core that I wasn't giving them the other piece. It always felt like I was selling them a lawnmower, but not giving them any instructions on how to get it out of the box, put some gas and oil in it and, you know, run it across their yard. And, and so I really made that an integral part of, of the packages that I offer clients. If you, I'm going to make some great documents for you, but I'm, and I'm also going to teach you what to do with them and how to be successful in the job search. 
And as we talked about at the start of the interview, we had a similar experience at, at MaxList. I'm proud of the value our job postings provide both employers and job seekers. And you should look at job boards like mine, but if you're spending more than 20 or 30% of your time on job boards, uh, that you're going to have a much harder job search than somebody who goes out and talks to people mm-hmm. and gets away from the computer. That's why we provide so much content on our website for job seekers about how to get good at job search as a skill and particularly at, at networking because relationships matter so much. So yes, come to job boards like mine, but don't spend more than 30% of your time tops looking at job postings. Get out and talk to people and, and pay attention to your relationships. Amen. You are preaching to the choir here, Mac. And uh, those are the, the the percentages that I use with clients as well. And I've I've gone so far as to say that, especially in 2020 and 2021, if all you're doing is looking at job boards, you are not in a job search. What you are in is job board looking at. <laughs> there's, there's no strategy there. It's very like I'm in my jammies. My head is barely off, off the pillow. And I'm going to pull my phone up and see what's there and click the quick apply done. It's, there's no, there's no job search involved in that. I agree completely. And you, you do need to look at job boards. You do need a resume and you also need to talk to people. So to your point, if all you're doing is applying online and that's hundred percent of your day, uh, you're going to have a long, painful job search. Yeah, I'm actually telling clients to expect that that we will still be in the same situation a year from now, if that's all you're doing. It's very likely to take you a year for a job search, and that shocks a lot of people into at least listening to, to a different way of doing things because they cannot afford to be unemployed for the next year. And I, I agree that a search right now during the pandemic is it's taking longer but I think the principles that you're describing, Lisa, mattered before oh, yes. COVID-19. Uh, yes, I think they've just been heightened during COVID. But I'm also seeing a lot of folks that are coming to me saying, well, you know, I, I mean, it's like it's a fact. They think they're reporting the news. I can't network right now. And and so I have to and I give them that sort of mind shift that it's actually a really good time to network because people are feeling very isolated and they want to have those conversations. They're more willing and they seem to be having a little bit more time in many cases. And I think it's because they're not bogged down with some of the nonsense that goes on in an office. They're able to manage their time at home and actually find that they can be more efficient than they had been in an office. So for all of those reasons, don't don't, uh, think for a moment that networking is not possible during a pandemic, it most assuredly is. I agree. And I would also point out that before the pandemic, and this continues to be true uh, during uh, COVID-19, there have always been people who did long distance job searches who were in one city and wanted to work in another. And they had to uh, build relationships through phone calls, um, email, uh, virtual meetings. They might make a, a job hunting trip for a week during the course of a three or four month search. But this has been going on for a long time, uh, this kind of virtual uh, remote uh, search. And the people who did that well, I think, have a a big advantage now during the pandemic because they they know how to uh, network and look for work virtually. Absolutely. This has been fantastic. And I hope that the listeners have 
had some mindset shifts around networking and their ability to do it and, and the importance of it. How can listeners get a hold of you? Two ways, Lisa. I encourage people to connect with me on LinkedIn. You'll find me there. Again, my name is Mac Pritchard. And please mention that they uh, heard this conversation on your show because I'd love to know where how people find uh, find me. And it's always a good habit anyway to send a personal note when you're connecting with yes. someone on LinkedIn. Uh, and the second way is to listen to our podcast at Max List. It's uh, called Find Your Dream Job. We publish a new episode every Wednesday. We've been doing it for more than five years now. And every week I talk to a different career expert about the nuts and bolts of job search skills. So the advice is very practical and actionable. And you can find uh, past shows at maxlist.org slash podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And what episode are you up to now? What number are you on? Do you know? Uh, we just booked our guest for episode number 300. Oh my word. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's, that's like you were like in the stone ages of podcasting, you were throwing some rocks together and beating them and, and making this happen. Five and a half years we've been at it, Lisa, but podcasting traces its origin back to, I think 2004 or five. So there are some great hosts in the career space have been doing it a lot longer than you and I have. Uh, people like Dan Miller and and others. Yeah, we've we've been at it for a while, and we're proud of the show. Well, and I think you know this is episode 170, and that's one of my greatest um, things that I'm proud of in this business because I think so many people start podcasts for maybe the wrong reason, and they don't stick with it for very long, um, or they just get done saying what they want to say and they they stop. So. Um, I think that our longevity um, says something about us. I'm not sure what, <laughs> what it is, but it says something. <laughs> I enjoyed, and one of the things I enjoy most is connecting with other career experts like you and, and providing them with a, a platform to, to share their knowledge with our community because there are so many great knowledgeable people out there. And, and it's, it's another way of us being of service to our community uh, through the podcast. Exactly. I learned something from every guest that I have on the podcast. I only have guests about 10% of the time, but I always learn something and I think, okay, I can tweak the way that I say that to my clients or I can, that's something I can add to my arsenal. I always pick up a little tip. So uh, hopefully the listeners have done the same. I hope this has been helpful to you guys. I hope that you will reach out to Mac and start listening to his podcast and uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. Let him know that I sent you there and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.